All right, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 79, uh, on the road and live from Orlando, Florida. And with me always is Richard and Roy. Yeah, I'm not in Orlando, though. I'm in, no, no, it's just I'm me. I'm in St. Louis. Wait, where did you say you were at? I'm in or- Orlando. I've, I've never heard of it before. No, it's a, it's a tiny, small town Backwater in Florida. Town. Back, yeah, nobody knows where this is. It's off the beaten path. Yeah, A lot of orange groves there, I think, right? Yeah, everywhere. That's the only thing that Central Florida is known for? Yeah, I think so. That's it. <laughs> you didn't go to Dice Tower Con without us, did you? Is oh. that happen- Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, if that was <laughs> happening this weekend, I stopped by. Hey, the fedora guy, let me in. Um, all right, it does remind me, last night I got in, and then I went out with my kid to uh, grab something to eat, and we drove. It was at night, so I'm not real sure where we were, but I am dedicated to hunt hunting for this. We drove past a christmas tree lot and it specifically said that the christmas trees were imported from michigan (laughs) all right so i want to go by i want to i want to not only do i want to take a picture of the sign and send it to roy i want to peruse it because i want to know what michigan christmas trees are oh well you know it's i don't know it's uh they're 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 grown north of the wall so i don't know that might be uh, very (laughs) hardy there's a bunch of christmas trees tree places here we used to always cut our own down um but i would imagine in florida they probably can't grow too many i pine trees that grow down there though right they they do grow christmas trees down here um i don't know about like um like christmas tree farms per se but um i knew people that lived in florida that every year that's what they would do they would and man this is like shit i've only heard of in movies you know that hey it's time to get a christmas tree okay and so you guys the family just starts walking in the woods until they until they find until they find (laughs) one like on the waltons yeah or uh (laughs) actually well they did it at christmas vacation too yeah yeah the one i think of but yeah (laughs) uh growing up i mean we always had a live christmas tree but you know it came from a thing uh in my hometown of columbia mississippi just outside of town there is a very large uh christmas tree farm and it was owned by a girl i graduated high school with family so i know they grow in mississippi pretty easy so yeah it it was many years later what'd you say i said dad did you bring a saw yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um yes like my brother's movie he like i'm sure we'll watch it this week uh but mm-hmm. like being here for christmas he will he will like play it like three times a day every day which is like his favorite thing that's christmas vacation that's good stuff With, uh, yeah cousin eddie chasey uh chasey chevy chase mm-hmm. so um yeah and it was several years later that uh I moved over to a artificial tree and that's just where I've been. So uh, it's a lot less cleanup and it's mm-hmm. a lot less of a fire hazard. Yeah. My but, mom, I mean, mom was always, my mom grew up or I grew up with my mom and she was always um, real paranoid about fire because I lived in a trailer. And so we always, we never had a, a, a real Christmas tree. It was always the one that came out of the box. Hmm. Mm. 
Uh, I recently encountered someone who uh, gets a brand new artificial tree every year. That's what her mom oh, does. Man. Holy and cow. I, and, that is and super she's, duper wasteful. I, well, I'm like, I'm like, what does she do with it? Like, she throws it away or she donates wow. it or gives it to somebody or just like whatever. But yeah, she gets a new one every year. And I'm like, I think you're supposed to do that with live trees. Anyway. She decorates it with the rings from six-pack cans and plastic straws and throws it right in the river. <laughs> Sets it on fire first. Just an ultimate <laughs> fuck you to the environment. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, come on. History on the table. Are they talking? About, are they spending 15 minutes talking about Christmas trees? No. That's no, they just here. put out a new episode today, and I, there was no Christmas tree talk. Mm, I am disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, Historic Fest is coming back. Historic KC Fest is coming yeah. back. And, and with uh, uh, beer and food. Really? Oh. I missed that part. Yeah. They, how, he changed, how does that he, work? Well, he changed the venue, and there's going to be beer and food there now. So it's going to be good oh, stuff. Nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if I'll commit to that one just yet, but we'll see. I've gotten now, since I've changed jobs, I have to shift my schedule around and... I, I'm kind of locked in to only certain uh, times of the year, so we'll see. Yeah, anyway. yeah. As of now, I cannot make that one, but who knows? If I have another job by then, then maybe. Is that in in your future? Another job? Uh, it, yeah, it's a possibility. It's I'm, I'm looking into it, but if I stay at my current position, I I know for a fact that August will be completely off limits for any travel for me next year. Oh, all right. You know, that reminds me, I've been thinking kind of about like the immediate future. Um, I got a kid that's uh, a sophomore this year, so it won't be too much longer and she'll be out of the house and whatever. And so like, where do I want to live? Because I mean, it's I, okay, I, you know, I, I like my home state, but I don't want to live there and i certainly don't want to live in the area i'm currently living in so i yeah i ended up like two ex-wives ago you know from <laughs> in that in that area so and it, yeah. was, it wasn't my choice so i'm kind of thinking about like well where in the country do i want to go so when you th I, when you think about like uh tabletop gaming where would that be where, where's like the biggest tabletop gaming in the in the country? Where does it happen? You know, well, I hear that East Central uh, Missouri is a pretty nice place to move for gaming. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, yes, Missouri is great. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got a miniature market right here and it's, you know, it's central. So no matter where the cons are, I'm not far from them. Um, and I I actually I know a few people, especially like from the West Coast, that have recently retired and moved to Missouri just because mm. it's nice here. I would honestly say that uh, there's different hubs. Probably Atlanta would have a, a good gaming scene. Um, Indianapolis, of course. Yeah, I think Southern California. I mean, oh, seems yeah. like Historic Con and GMT is out there, and they've got the GMT West anyway. And um and then places like Austin, Texas, probably, too. Probably any major city I think you'll be good with. Yeah, especially if there's a university attached to it. Yeah. Now, okay, when I think of GMT, I think I, I 
always think of like New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, somewhere over there is where I thought GMT was. I, I think that's where they are, but they've got a they do they have a GMT West also. I think oh, a okay. warehouse out there or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I think. I might be wrong. Well, you know, I'll also say like uh California is too expensive to uh to move to. Yeah. So. <laughs> well that's oh, a, oh. that's the reason a lot of people are moving to Missouri. Yeah, cost of Miss- living is great here. Mississippi too. Uh, somebody from my uh, somebody from Oregon bought my dad's house. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, uh, I will say, like I told my brother, um, it's when you're when you're looking for a new place to live, it's like okay, plentiful, good paying jobs, and uh, a for a uh, low cost of living. Pick one. You know that. Oh that's, yeah, that, that, se- that seems to be the the theme. The market is changing post COVID though, because so many people can work from anywhere now. That that's really changing. Mm, yeah, I I yeah, I hope so. You know, honestly, in my googling uh, around, like, okay, just like where to live, blah blah blah, this that and the other, and you know, I'm looking at tabletop gaming and Missouri, uh, the Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, it rated really high in a lot of people's list and it talked about all the various reasons why you know the people that live there also probably mostly because of me right yes it was <laughs> like richard richard trapier the guy <laughs> that's on 16 different tabletop gaming podcasts is located there and if i mean lucky, roy did did walk into a random game store on a random day and say hey do you guys know rich trapier and they said yes so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that is like the most the most southern thing i've ever heard of like it's like if roy went to my hometown and asked someone if they knew my dad or whatever and they were like oh yeah we know dennis you know yeah but to be fair it was on the particular saturday that the the organization that i believe rich founded was having their meeting and rich was not there it would happen to be that day that i I like the way i told it better Oh, that's okay. Wow. It was just a random day. Could have been Strike anywhere. That from the record, they me. <laughs> for you, it was for me. It was Tuesday. <laughs> so uh, I, that and I want to say like number one on a lot of different lists I looked at was the Twin Cities, which is what that's Minneapolis, Saint Paul. Yeah, Minneapolis, Saint Paul. That's the Twin mm-hmm. Cities, I guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, you wouldn't want to live up there, though. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. where the hell even is that? I'm not sure. Because I, I got central con- Minnesota. Okay, because I, I like immediately got confused with like Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So mm-hmm. I was like, is that where it was? No, Minneapolis. Okay. Because uh, another one was um, what you call it, where Gen Con is um, Geneva. Um, no, 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 that's the original. Oh, no, they used to uh, be, yeah, uh, Gen Con, Indy. Indy, yeah, Indianapolis was a, another big place, and, uh, yeah. I just, I think for me, uh, I want to move where it's cooler in a temperature sense, you know? Because mm-hmm. I'll make the place, you know, cool, cool, you know, just by me being there. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the in temperature sense, yeah, I, I want to do it. I just get so mad in Mississippi summers, like. You know, yeah, I'm just sweating my balls off, and I'm like, I fucking hate this place. You know, it's too damn hot, and blah blah blah. Because my brother really wants me to move here to Orlando, and I'm like, no, oh. it's yeah, I'm like, it's even hotter here. 
it's like you had the opposite weather. It's like summer. It's just well, it's the same as Mississippi. It's it's summer for in Mississippi. It's summer for nine months out of the year. I think in Florida, it's summer for like ten months out of the year. You know, and I so just yeah. In St. Louis, what's your what's your average low temperature in February? In February, um, like like are you looking at twenty? Yeah, um, it so February is funny. It, often in February we'll have a few nice days, like where it'll be, like maybe in the fifties or even the sixties. But it's also it's common to have a few days where it's uh, down in the single digits. Uh, below below zero is is relatively rare here, but mm-hmm. single digits and teens January and February are common. Boy, February is a rough time of year for me. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's brutal as far as the the seasonal depression goes. Really, just because like it. it's it's so cold. Yeah, it's cold, and I've been living with it being cold since November. Yeah, or, see, you know, I get, October. I, I get the seasonal depression around July or August. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's okay. just, it, it's like it's hot, it's been hot, and it's like it will never not be hot, you know? And yeah, I, in Mississippi currently, I think we're getting up to where the highs are in the 60s. But like you get up in the morning and it's like in the 40s. But like here in Orlando, I'll get up and it's like 60 degrees. It's like super nice in the uh, the morning. And then it got it gets up to like eighty one by lunchtime, and I'm like, ah, I'm sweating. Ugh. And, uh, <laughs> oh, look when I came, when I came into town last night, my kids came. They flew in from Wisconsin, so they're coming in from Wisconsin, and I'm you know I'm coming from Mississippi, and it's probably seventy degrees outside, and my brother has the heat on, and we're just sweating. We're like, why? Like it's so hot in here. Why does he have the heat on? <laughs> Like, ah, it's Florida. Uh, it's just, yes. God, and not to mention, yeah, I walked around everywhere today. It was old people that wouldn't get out of my way. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is death's waiting room. I oh, forget yeah. about that. So, anyway. The, uh, the, the Q-tips. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, now, <laughs> I, I will say, I, I absolutely love, like, the outdoors, and I love the mountains, you know. So, I really dig that. So, I was kind of looking at, like, Tennessee – because, like, North Carolina, I love North Carolina, but it's too broke. It's, like, it's mountainous Mississippi, basically. It's, yeah, it's, like, Mississippi with extra meth, you know? And, <laughs> but uh, I just love the, I love the mountains, you know? And I love the, you know, and, yeah, I don't know. You got any mountains in St. Louis, in Missouri? Do they have any over there? Uh, yeah. We have the Cahokia Mounds. Okay. Which is, like, a man-made hill that's, like, 200 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Oh, the I you know I drove past the mounds on my way back from St. Louis. Yeah. I think in like the year fourteen hundred or something like that. I might be off, but around the time that Cahokia at that time Cahokia was the biggest city in North America. Oh, okay, cool, interesting. All yep. right. In, anyway, uh, Roy, tell me about your St. Louis adventures. Oh well, okay. So this is I'm, I'm looking for some way in some some moral way in here. So my mom really likes Bud Light. And so she was in the hospital and I thought I need to get some Bud Light for her. So I went and I got a six pack and I poured about half of a beer into a, uh, a coffee cup. And then I took it up there and, and gave it to her. So she drank. Can I just s- say you sound like a St. Louisan already? How so? 
because of, of smuggling bub, bud light at the hospital in a coffee no. cup sounds like a st louis thing to do <laughs> so i uh, yeah she she swelled you know mostly warm bud light <laughs> through, through a straw out of a coffee cup but then later on i was driving around and there was a the dude standing on the corner with his little cardboard sign and i thought i bet that guy gives a bud light so I had I had the rest of the six pack in the seat behind me. So I reached around and and I said, "Here you go, man." So I don't know. Is that is that a good thing to do or not a good thing to do to give a give beer to a panhandler? Well, I think I would argue. I think I would argue. Uh, what was his reaction? That's the most important thing. I said. I said, "Do you want this?" He said, "Oh yeah, thanks." And he was not. Go. He did not appear to be like have have a problem like he wasn't drunk when he he took it from me of course it was a sunday yeah, morning i so. i i think yeah i think that's the most important thing is how he reacted so i think i think okay. you're fine okay and i i heard some misgivings from rich so what's what's no 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 so i'm thinking i i yeah i think i'm uh i think i'm okay with that i think uh two consenting adults can give each other a beer okay all right well it's, it was kind of fun, so I might might keep on doing that. Not in St. Louis, but, you know, whenever I see a handler and I happen to have a Bud Light. You're going to be like the Johnny Appleseed of giving <laughs> yeah. beers to homeless guys. <laughs> in in St. Louis, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I could move up there. i got to see that stupid arch thing. Yeah, the giant, sling, the, the giant slingshot. You can't call it stupid, what? man. Whatever. And if you live in St. Louis, every time you see it, you have to say, oh, there's the arch. It's a croquet hoop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Roy, Roy's right. It's it's God's croquet hoop. So, yeah. <laughs> wax it in there and to smashes the city. It's a whole thing. Anyway, so. All right. Have you guys watched any uh, television lately? Uh, my yes. wife and I have been watching Hill House and, and Bly Manor. We finished both of those. Okay. And those are related to each other, right? Yeah, they're, I don't know, maybe called an anthology. It's the same creator, uh, a lot of the same actors. Um, it's not not the same characters or anything, but presumably the same universe. Okay. And then, very so, good. yeah. I liked Hill House I, better than Bly Manor, but they were both very good. Yeah. Yeah. I started watching on Hulu an animated show called Hit Monkey. Which is a Marvel show. Yeah, um, that that has my attention. And then I was very shocked to see it was a Marvel show. So, yeah. But Hulu did Modoc too, didn't they? And oh, is Modoc yeah, that, that is true. Modoc is Marvel, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, That's is it animated? Fantastic. Does it look like the same creators as Modoc? No, it's um uh kind of a grim anime kind of style. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of gore in it. Um, so hit really? is, yeah, is about this, uh, hit man named by the name of Bryce. And I think that he is voiced by Jason Sudeikis. Um, and then like uh, George Takei is in it too. So, um, Oh my. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, Bryce is this hit man that goes to Tokyo to, to do a hit and things go sideways and he gets killed. Or he gets he gets grievously injured, and he stumbles off into the forest and wakes up in a pool with the, you know these snow monkeys that are in Japan that like sit in the volcanic hot springs. 
Yeah, that's just yeah. where they hang out. Yeah. So they, he he lives amongst amongst these monkeys for a while, and there's one particular monkey who's like uh, an up and comer, wants to be an alpha, and and it starts to to um, to challenge the the alpha monkey, and then um, the bad guys come and kill Bryce, and they kill all the monkeys except for this one alpha monkey. And so then the the rest of the series then is Bryce as a ghost, mentoring this monkey in a suit with um, with Bryce's sunglasses on, uh, taking revenge on all of the the humans that killed the troop and Bryce. So I, I'm you guys know that that I'm not real big on these these Marvel you know comic right. shows, but I thought I'd give it a try. So I'm. I'm into the second episode now. Well, what are your thoughts so far? That's fine. I just, I, I have a rough time. So, like, I want my fiction to be, like, based in realism or totally not based in realism. So, like, Lord of the Rings, the Dune movie, which I haven't seen yet, I'm cool with that. Um, but then when I get into things like... Um, uh, Shoot, what's the 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 spellcaster? The um, damn it, TV show or TV show and and series of books, Dresden. Dresden. Oh, Dresden, got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That that loses me a little bit. Or you know, if uh, if I have, yeah, I don't know. It's, I I like my my fiction to be like all realism or all fantasy. I don't like the blending of the two that much but i thought i'd give it a try hmm. so that's hit monkey on hulu okay and it is brand new uh, november 17th is when it came out i and really was... Most, it was the the uh, the 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 artwork i thought was kind of cool that the the sword and then the monkey staring over the edge of the sword and the glasses and everything I'm very interested in like watching it just from seeing the trailer and stuff. And I was, yeah, like I said, I was I'm very surprised that it was a Marvel movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I'm, it's on my list. Ah. So, uh, have any of you guys watched the Wheel of Time on Amazon? I have not. Um, so, is that the same Wheel of Time that we uh, know from from D and D or from RPGs? Um, I th- yeah, it's it's based on a series of books. Okay, All but right. I think they I think they did make an RPG out of it as well. Okay, no, I've not seen it, but I did see it. I don't know. Um, I haven't read the books, Adam. So part of the reason I haven't watched it is just because I haven't read the books, and so there's a lower level interest in that. But honestly, I am so turned off by the way Game of Thrones ended that it's like. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to start another big, huge fantasy series like that and and watch it get destroyed at the end. So that's that's those are like the two main reasons that I don't really have any interest in it. Okay, Uh, I will say that uh, this series has been finished for quite a while um, and the author died, but he knew he knew he was dying and got another guy to finish it like, hey, here's my notes. This is how I want you to. To, to finish it and yeah um uh, it's look i've been into this series since it 
came out since like 1992, 1993. Uh, a friend of mine in high school had the first two books, and it I just kind of went from there. And uh, I know people give George R.R. R. Martin shit, uh, but like uh, Robert Jordan would go like years between books, and his, the books. If you read the the Wheel of Time books, his big thing was characters. Holy mm-hmm. shit, are there a lot of characters and sub-characters and all this stuff going on in, in the uh, the series. And um, eh, that can it can get a little hard to follow. So I know, like, for what the... Uh, uh, the first thing, the, uh, the, the second author, um, which I believe is Brandon Sanderson, and I just started uh, Mistborn um, the other day... Uh, the first thing he did was start killing off all these hundreds of extra characters or whatever, wrapping up all this <laughs> stuff to, to make it easier to do. And then like, he did like the, I think he did like the last three books. It took like three books to write rapid. How many were the total? 12. I absolutely loved it. Like the first three episodes are what you can get on Amazon. And that's basically the first book. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious to see how it goes. I mean, I eh, for Game of Thrones, eh, in the comparison, uh, Wheel of Time has a lot less, like, scheming, political scheming and whatnot. It is a just a large struggle between good and evil, you know, with not a lot of gray characters. And all the characters are really interesting, you know, so I don't know. I would encourage anyone listening to the sound of my voice to take a look at that and uh, they will probably enjoy it important question yes is there child burning in it <laughs> i i honestly don't think so okay uh i would definitely well, say that you're, that is a good point that is a very good point to ask i don't think in the uh in the book series or the tv series anyone well, is burnt so that well, it's that's that's a tacit endorsement well, no ch- from the chance of gaming, you know, seal of approval. That there's not child burning in it. No children are burned. However, okay. I think in the first first or second episode, there is a lady that is burned, but it's okay. She's not a kid, so okay. Yep. There you go. Post pubescent anyway. people were okay with burning them. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, we don't I have an official I, position on that. Oh, okay. we are officially you know, against I, child burning. I would go out on a limb and say I really want them to like be post-secondary education. They should be somewhere late 20s, early 30s to be eligible for burning. So, yeah. OK. You know, you, you've Did, experienced you know, life and yeah, you're not innocent. And yes. Yeah, so well, you. and they can give informed consent. Yeah, true. Absolutely true. <laughs> So, um, and yeah, I, has either one of you guys read Mistborn? Were you guys oh, yeah. the ones? Yeah. That, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, is it, is it done Richard? Uh, so there's, there's the, the original trilogy and then there's at least, I think another trilogy. I started the second, the, the second trilogy or however many it is. I just read the first one and I didn't like it that much, but the first three, the original trilogy, I enjoyed immensely. Okay, yeah, because I just started the Final Empire, 
you know, a couple days ago. So, all right. Well, that's cool. So it's like one, two, yeah, one there's, trilogy. There's three, and then there's a time jump of, I want to say something like 100, 150 years. Okay. Before the second, the fourth book starts. So, and as I understand this, it takes place in like, kind of like a post-apocalyptic thing. It, it was like where, you know, in a lot of books, the whole plot line is we have to stop the big bad from waking up or whatever, getting free and, and destroying the world. Well, th- in this book, that's already like happened, right? So uh, I I don't want to tell you anything until you finish the third book, because the mythology of that world is is huge. So where it starts, where you think the book is at the beginning is is nothing like where it is at the end. I mean, there's lots of really good twists and turns. But yeah, at the beginning of the series, they are in a, you know, um, I mean, there's there's one supreme ruler that sort of rules over all of them and he has ultimate power. Yeah, he's like immortal. Uh there's ash that's falling. The yep. the sun the sun and sky are red. The vegetation is brown, you know, and, and all this stuff. It seems bad. Oh yeah. And the mist itself that comes yep. at night. And you'll get so, really yeah. you'll get a more of that in the second book and then into the third book you'll get the the entire story. Okay. Uh, I will say it does remind me that um, a Wheel of Time is technically a post-apocalyptic uh, story. It takes place – the whole premise behind it is the wheel uh, that just drives different ages has happened. And like our age that we're living in now – past at some point and so the next age on top of it was an age of magic and so you occasionally have characters encountering uh stuff that is like a um you know a mercedes symbol you know off a off a car or you know the yin yang symbol is really big uh in it so it's it takes place after our age has ended so just yeah, just kind of neat. That did that. Anyway, so uh, Roy, what have you been playing? So uh, on a regular Friday game night, I played a game called Royals, which I believe I've talked about before. Uh, it plays, I believe, it plays up to six, might be just five. Um, but so it's a it's a map of Europe, and each you know big city will have. So like in London, there's the king. And uh, if you play, if you play six cards, eight cards of the same color, you can influence the king, meaning that the king is under my thumb and he's going to do what I'm what I tell him to do. Um, and uh, so you go around the board and you influence various nobles by playing cards out of your hand. So there's four suits in the game and um, you have to play. I think I said eight to get a king to get a cardinal. You need like five. And so you put a a token on there saying that this guy is mine. Well, then eventually all those spots fill up. And the only way to get um, another noble from somewhere is to assassinate them. So you have to start drawing intrigue cards. And so then so like let's say a duke costs five cards. 
to um, to assassinate that duke, you have to play five cards of that color and then an intrigue card of the same color. And you kill that duke and then another one comes to power under your influence. And so it's the first, it plays over three rounds. And the first round is pretty much all the spots on the board getting gobbled up. And then rounds two and three are, I need to take, I need to have a noble in every city in this country, and I don't have this one, and there's no open spot there, so I have to kill somebody. Um, and then, so like you get points for, if you have the most dukes, then you get a certain amount of points. If you have the most kings, you get a certain amount of points. And usually with kings, it's typically there will be one player will manage to get two, and then that will be the that will be the the decider on that. But then every round, it goes around and says, okay, who has the most influence in Spain? And you get points based on that. And who has the next most? You get points based on that. Um, so it's, um, it's a card game that is, it gets to be, to be pretty, pretty easy to kind of grasp the, uh, um, the gameplay and how it all works. And eventually you get to the point where there's dirty looks that go across the board because like, well, I really need that countess, so I'm going to assassinate your countess and put my own in power, and then you you kind of get the get the the dirty look because you've you've killed an opponent's uh, noble. Um, so that's royals. Hmm. So uh, it has nothing to do with the uh, song by Lord, right? It is not. No. Okay. <laughs> Just make it sure. All right. You can and then uh, on board game arena. I've been playing the crew. Has anyone played the crew before? Look, no, I, I played that. I absolutely have seen that because it has really cool artwork. Uh, I've seen it multiple times on the shelf, so I've always wondered like what it is and how it played. Well, it's a trick-taking game. So, like, like euchre. Of course, I'm 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 using Michigan words here. So, like, hearts is a trick-taking. Oh, okay. So the Michigan Christmas tree then should have euchre underneath it always yeah. or, or deck of cards yeah so the crew is it's played it plays from three to five players and uh there's four suits in the game i think they go from one to nine and there's also a book of 50 missions so like mission one is you there you flip a, a smaller deck of cards and it says okay player one has to take the yellow six and that's all you have to do to win so you you lay your cards down and you take tricks and if the designated player takes the six then you win you pass that mission and then so like the mission that i'm on right now i'm playing in a three-player game um you have to there's three cards in order that have to be taken uh by each player or by by a player on a, on a on a play so it's a trick-taking game but it's cooperative um and so you got to kind of suss out like well you know if i play the five what's the chances that somebody's going to be able to beat that and if if they beat it is it you know if, if i lay down the five that somebody needs they better have a six seven eight or nine that they can they can take it with and if they don't, then you've you've failed that mission. You have to start over. Um, but it seems like a game that would, and I'm thinking about 
about Thanksgiving games, you know, games that you would take to play with your non-gamer family. And I think the crew would be one of those one of those games, along with Royals, actually. Why would you want a non-gamer family? I mean, who would keep those people around? I just don't well, get you it. You know, you got you got, you know, Uncle Carl, who um, really likes red hats. You know, he might be interested in the, in the crew. He's like, oh, yeah, this is this is just like in America. We got these problems with these immigrants coming down here and just. <laughs> oof. Yeah, that'd be tough. All right. Yeah. And so then I've been playing uh, Terra Mystica on Board Game Arena. I'm, I think I'm embroiled in about three different games of that right now. You've got to be a master at this by now. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm. I played a game a few weeks ago, and it came down. It was a four-player game. It came down to I had 103, another guy had 103, and then 102 and 101. We were all within three points of each other, which was that that was a crazy outcome. So I don't know that I've actually won a Terra Mystica yet, but I'm 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 learning more. I think the, the uh, dwarves are my fav- favorite faction right now. Okay. Yeah, I need to play that again. Yeah, I mean, I have the Steam version, and mm-hmm. I guess I should need to go through that with the uh, tutorial and stuff and learn it a bit better. Oh, well. And, yeah, but definitely before, well, yeah, definitely before we play it again, because oh. you guys knew what you were doing, and I was like, <laughs> ah, this looks fine. And I clicked it. No, you can't do that click this you can't do that and it's like okay you can do this i'm like okay i'll do that i guess <laughs> i felt bad uh, oh. anyway oh. what uh, you been playing adam i continue to purchase and have assembled uh conquest the last argument of kings and um i hope when i get back be to be able to actually get in a game a demo to be able to observe it and uh, I got in the the Silver Bayonet from Osprey Publishing, and man, am I super excited to try to play this. Um, to be, I, I'm pretty sure it's done by the same guy that did Frostgrave, and so it's kind of like that, or like Dracula's America. It's these little skirmish games that you're playing on like a three by three board, but it takes place during the Napoleonic War. And so you are part of a group of people called the Silver Bayonet uh, that and they're in various nations. Uh, They're in all of them on both sides of the on all sides in the Napoleonic War. And you're hunting supernatural creatures and stuff. So it's just really, really cool. And uh, yeah, I want to actually get it to the table because it seems neat. So is this a, a, is this like a hex encounter sort of game? No, it's a miniature game okay. on like on like a three by three board, and so mm-hmm. you get your little guys. Like one of the one uh, the the figures I wanted to get, uh, and I'll link these in the show notes. They are from the Perry Miniatures Retreat from Moscow because these mm-hmm. are these have a lot of characters. Uh, in them just uh, they just look really really neat uh, the little guys that uh, you can do there's uh, it's you know because I mean it's in the middle of winter it's all these 
starving uh, soldiers. And what I really dig are like, you know, all the cavalry guys. Well, you know, they had to eat the horses. So uh, all these cavalry guys are now walking, you know, here and there. And so just, yeah, I thought like using some of those would be pretty cool. And uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, Battlefield 2042 came out this past week, and I've been enjoying getting back into that. Um, I made the possible mistake of playing it in front of my brother, my sister-in-law, and my two kids, who proceeded to heckle me through all of it. (laughs) And, you know, like, oh, Adam, have you tried not dying? (laughs) <laughs> or, or have you tried shooting the guy before he shoots you? You know, so. be better. Yes, that, they're like be better, <laughs> suck less. Yeah, so you know, that's that's what I had to deal with, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's it's still fun. I used to play the hell out of like Battlefield Three, and uh, I'm just kind of getting back into my groove. You know, of of doing it. I had to like change some things in the uh, control scheme because I didn't like it where the grenade was and where the mark thing was. But anyway, so um, I'm enjoying playing that. And uh, yeah, so Rich, uh, what have you been playing? So last weekend, uh, me and another St. Louis guy met up with a couple Kansas City guys in Columbia, Missouri, which is right in the middle of the state, uh, to play some games. So that was fun. Um, We played two games. We played Sword of Rome which is a a GMT game. It's from like early Roman Republic, like 300 BC or something like that. Um, It's, it's a card driven game kind of looks a little bit like paths of glory or something like that. um, In that every, every faction has its own deck. So we played four players. So it was, uh, I was the Gauls. There was one guy that was the Samnites and the Etruscans. One person played Rome and one person played Greece. And if you play with five players, then the Carthaginians are in the game too. Um, have you played this one before, Adam? No. It was a lot of fun. Um, one of the things I, I've talked before about Here I Stand is one of my favorite games. But the main problem with Here I Stand is that if you don't have six players – it really, really falls off quickly. I mean, it's just the difference between here I stand at six and here I stand at five is huge. So um, I've had people say to me before, well, you know, if anyone ever cancels on here I stand at the last minute, you just play sort of Rome instead. And now now I understand why they say that, because scratches that itch. It's a much shorter game. It's, you know, here I stand is an eight to 10 hour game and sort of Rome is like a three to four hour game. So, um, but it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's just, it, you know, it's a, it's a screw your neighbor game. It's, it's not super heavy strategy, but it's got, you know, nice historical flair to it. The cards are nice. It was just a whole lot of fun. And then after we played sort of Rome, we played Grand Prix, which is a GMT racing game. Um, there's some others sort of in the same series. There's Thunder Alley and Apocalypse Road and Grand Prix. Grand Prix is the F1 game. Um, and, you know, you got a little track and you've got cars and you have cards that you play to move your cars and other cars are on the board and try to win the race. It was fun. I would actually like to play it again. Um, it was light enough that I think it would be a good family game. Um but with just playing once, it's it's hard to really say. But we enjoyed it. Now, There's a game uh, called, called Rally Man that kind of looks similar to this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't played that one either. This is actually the first racing game I've played at all. There's, you know, there's the uh, Flamaroos, the bicycle racing games. There's uh, there's a horse racing game. I can't remember what it's called, but all these racing games out there, I've never played any of them until this one. Now, see, I have and actually not only know how to play it, have played multiple times Downforce. Okay, that's another one, yeah. Yeah, Restoration Games, and it is a hell of a lot of fun. So I've always... Yeah, I've looked at this uh, at Grand Prix, and uh, was it GMT? Yeah, GMT. Yeah, published. it's a GMT game. Oh, okay. I was thinking of another one. I thought they did one with NASCAR. Yeah, that but... one is Thunder Alley. That's oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm and so then happy Apocalypse I... Road is like Mad Max racing, where you like uh, literally have guns on your cars. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm so happy when I talk out of my ass and it's actually correct. Where I go <laughs> like, oh, I think they made it. Yes, Adam, that is correct. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. so we played those two, had a lot of fun. Um, and then yesterday at our uh, St. Louis Historical Gaming Society Day, we went back to Miniature Market and we had a BCS day. So Battalion Combat Series by Multiband Publishing. Uh, we had two different games going. Uh, one group of guys were playing. It was either... Uh, baptism by fire or the other North Africa one. I can't remember. I just know they were playing a North Africa game. And then we had on our table, we had uh, Panzer's Last Stand, which I've been talking about that game a lot because uh, it's been on my table for two months. And then I played it multiplayer yesterday. And I think I'm going to put it right back on my table because I'm enjoying it so much. It's it's about the uh, German t- attempts. It's if you're into the military history, it was Operations Conrad One and Conrad Two, and it was the German attempts to attempt to uh, to to relieve the guys that were surrounded in Budapest. So the Russians came in, surrounded Budapest, were pushing the Germans out, and the Germans tried a couple times, two or three times, unsuccessfully to relieve the guys in Budapest before they finally just uh, had to surrender. So that's what this game is about. Uh, excellent game. I love Battalion Combat series. Hmm. I, I wondered, uh, like, when you play this for your uh, game days, does it take, like, a long time to, like, set things up? Um, I would say setup took maybe a half hour. We played one of the smaller scenarios, and we played four-player, and two of the players, me and one other guy, knew the game pretty well, and the other two were learning. One guy had played once, one guy had never played at all. So th- we went into it knowing it was a learning game. So it took longer to play that way. Um, We probably took half hour, definitely less than an hour to set up. And then I think we played two turns. It probably took about an hour and a half per turn. If two players are know the game, um, then a turn is probably going to take between a half hour and an hour, I would say. And this scenario, it was a smaller scenario. It was seven turns. So. All right. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you want something that doesn't take a lot of time, but you get a lot of effort out of, reach out to Mike at UltraDementia.com for your 3D printing needs. He can get something printed for you, you super fast, and always use the discount code of COG2019. And you'll have this linked in the show notes because Alter Dementia is spelled like weird it's like alter 3d i meant com. anyway so you'll see it in the show notes but anyway is that how you uh, teach uh, segues in your broadcast journalism class yeah it is that's that's it it's very important 
so uh, on to uh, what's on your radar. The first thing I had was a guy on Twitter, Tuppy the Ducky. I <laughs> assume that's I assume that's his government name. Um, has been living my dream, and that is infantry scale BattleTech. So he three D printed some uh, mechs that will correspond in size with your average like 28 millimeter infantryman and uh, as well as the um, uh, little uh, uh, armored suit guys like uh, clan elementals and stuff. And yeah. So, so so does that mean, does that mean that a person is 28 millimeters and then the mechs are, you know, I don't know, four or five times that size or whatever. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, if you look at the, uh, that Twitter thread, the the fourth picture in the lower right, there's a space marine in the corner. Okay. Like all yep. To the right, and then an, what does he said? It's an armager. Yeah, uh, on the right, and then the, I'm pretty sure that is an urban mech on the left, but I could be so wrong. That's a light one. That's like a twenty or thirty yeah. ton. Okay. Yes, yes, it is. It it's a it famously is like a whatever it is like a twenty or thirty ton piece of shit is what it is. It's really <laughs> it's really slow. Uh, it has like an AC ten or something like that. This big ass gun on it, but it only has like five rounds. You know, no. so that so it has like no armor. You know, it's slow and yeah. So oh, then if you click on the upper left one. That there's a mad cat there with a yes. space marine at the foot of it. Yep. Uh, and so that's to scale. And man, would I love to have that thing. I mean, not only just sitting on my shelf, but I would love to play this game, to play uh, Battletech at that scale. Because there was this um, thing called Battle Troops, and that's what it was about. Like, uh, it was about infantry action, and you played a, and they even made up a, a handful of miniatures of the infantry guys, and so it was basically infantry combat in the Battletech world. You really, I don't, there were no mechs to play with, you know, way back when, in the 90s or whenever this was, but you could definitely add it in now. But yeah, it was basically just, you know, infantry versus infantry trying to get things done and whatever and there was a sequel called clan troops which introduced the battle suited guys that you see in the third set of uh things i'm not sure what that mech is but those are clan elementals at its feet so there you go and uh yeah so uh the next thing we had was um since we loved talking about thirsty sword lesbians, um, <laughs> this, this is uh, this is Boy, a we is doing heavy lift there, man. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> this this is a Kickstarter. You by the time you hear this, it'll probably be over because as, as the time that we uh, record this podcast, it has forty eight hours left to go. This is advanced lovers and lesbians. So this is the next book in the Thirsty Sword Lesbian uh, uh, thing. So there you go. Trying to see. Uh, it's 20 bucks for digital, 39 for physical. Is there anything crazy? If you pay $69, nice. you can get the Advanced Lovers and Lesbians PDF. Code to get Advanced Lovers and Lesbians at cost software or soft cover was it print on demand two copies 
two community copies of Advanced Lovers and Lesbians, hardcover copy and a Rule 20 code for Advanced Lovers and Lesbians. All right. So, hmm, there you go. It's, um, yeah, it's the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, this is done by Evil Hat Productions. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to actual news. Uh, there is a Kickstarter for Atmosphere, the 30th anniversary edition. Are you guys familiar with Atmosphere? No. No. All right. <laughs> this this was like one of the first VCR board games. Okay. And I had this, and it was a lot of fun to play. I mean, after you play through it once, it's not that great. And But you get a kick out of like playing it with new people because you knew what was coming. And uh, you could probably look uh, on YouTube, and I'll try to find some link in the show notes of like examples of play. And so you would have, you put in the tape, and you had this little gatekeeper guy, and he would pops up every now and then to bully, insult, reward, or punish you. And uh, yeah, and so it's kind of neat, and um, it's neater that they decided to bring out a new edition of it. I actually have recently, I found at Dice Tower Con when we were there, there were two sequels to this, and uh, I bought them. They come with their own VHS tapes, and I have not uh, had a chance to play it, but uh, yeah. So it's it's just kind of neat, and I, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised that this is coming out with so many old popular board games being redone. Which reminds me, when is the Dark Tower ever going to come out? Remember that the uh, yeah, the I remember one? it. I I didn't follow it to know that it hasn't come out yet. I guess I just assumed that it had. Let's see, that's Restoration Games, who also did Downforce. Uh, let's see if I can find anything uh here you return to dark tower and own rest and i'll link this in the show notes uh restorationgames.com and uh yeah it's just not available yet don't know when it will but yeah that came out from like 1981 but when i started tabletop gaming in the 90s there was a guy in my local club had a copy of this and uh, would actually bring it out to play. And uh, it was fun. Kind of primitive by today's standards, but yeah. Anyway. So this this Atmosphere game is from Sydney, Australia. So does it mean that the uh, the gatekeeper is going to sound like the uh, crocodile <laughs> hunter? Oi! What are you doing? <laughs> you wankers over there. And yeah, he's saying some shit like about koalas or something. That would be cool. I'm like, I don't know what he said, but it can't be good. So for the drop bears. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Did you know, like, uh, it's like 80% of, like, koalas have chlamydia, and it usually kills, <laughs> it ends up killing them. This, yeah, this is a uh, a fact that I know. And there's actually this whole uh, thing to save the koalas. They have to, like, uh, capture them cure them of chlamydia and then um like uh vaccinate them against it and release them back into the wild everybody knows that koalas are super easy yeah uh so that should be like the next um the next board game somebody should do that about capturing chlamydia infected koalas capture capture chlamydia koalas yeah cck 
and I'm I'm sure Holland Spiel will publish it, you know. And <laughs> you uh, should, yeah. they should kickstart that. Yes, yeah, so I should kick uh, capturing chlamydia koalas, where you capture them, uh, you cure them, and put them back out in the wild without being bitten and then contracting chlamydia yourself. So, I mean, you could gamify anything. And this, yeah, somebody somebody could do I swear to you, somebody is listening, going to listen to this and go, that's it, <clears throat> my game I've been working on for 30 years. That is the theme I've been looking for. Yes, he's a genius. And he'll email me Wait. and like, okay, let's let's work on something. I'll literally give you that idea for free, just as long as I get full credit on like the first page. Like it came, the, like this game, you know, Board Game Geeks Game of the Year for the year 2024, uh, you know, would could not have happened if it was not for Adam Chance and the uh, Chance of Gaming podcast. So anyway, so yeah, Dice Tower doesn't talk about chlamydia infected uh, koala bears. That's why you listen to the show. So anyway. yep. I think I think they do if you're a Patreon. Oh, that makes it's sense. It's like a, a $30 a month level. You can, uh, if you pay enough, you can actually give chlamydia to a koala. <laughs> or get a chlamydia-infected koala just shipped right to you. There you go. Yeah. They, they jump out and like, ah, I don't have any eucalyptus. <laughs> uh, leave me alone. <laughs> so uh, the next thing we have is uh, Corvus Belly previews the Polaris team beast pack for Infinity. Uh, I like the idea of Infinity. It's a pretty complicated... Um, miniature game with some really cool aesthetics and i've always been a fan of the um werewolf anapode guys because they look really cool well these are future russians that happen to have an anthropomorphic uh bear so uh with a young lady as his uh escort and so that's just kind of cool and yeah, they normally have dog warriors, but this is a bear. This is a bearapode. So yeah, um, I think it looks really cool. Once again, this is a model that I just want to mm -hmm. have. And uh, yeah, I have no idea how to be on the table. I mean, come on, it's a bear with a machine gun. It's probably pretty good. Yeah, machine gun and a warhammer. Yeah, look, that was like my favorite joke way back when. Um, when DC hadn't really done a lot of movies where they were talking about like, whoa, the, the joke was, you see, Wonder Woman is a really uh, complicated uh, story to bring to the movie, uh, to the, the, the screen. I don't know if we can do it. And then Marvel responds with, oh, yeah, well, here's a raccoon with a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, the next thing we had was I was going to talk to Richard about Yanks is being reprinted again yeah buy it play with me 112 bucks but i mean it is a big it is a big box it is that the pre-order price because i would think yeah. it would be even more than that actually yeah uh oh, yeah regular is 148 sure yeah and so it's uh it's 112 it's four to five pounds and yeah so how long would you say yanks has been out of uh print um i mean i picked up a copy actually at a at a game store less than five years ago so um but that could have been sitting on the shelf a while i don't know 
Well, it does say this printing is the same as the 2016 printing. So okay, that's probably the one I got then. So okay, Yanks is is the second module in ASL. If you wanted to play ASL, you got to buy the rulebook first, and then Beyond Valor, and then Yanks is the second module that most people buy. Hmm. And looking at it, if I'm reading this correctly, it says pre-order number required. That's 490, uh-huh. and it's received. 102 so far right. so hmm eh, well it's i kind of expected more than that but yeah i mean i think though i i don't know I, I don't know this but it seems to me like most asl players already have yanks it's it's the other stuff like rising sun was out of print for so long that a lot of people didn't have that armies of oblivion um you know the the French one and the British one just came out, but the other the other minor one uh, that's on pre-order, all those have been out of print longer than Yanks. So this one, I don't know. It, that's just a guess. But then again, there's got to be 500 people that want it, but maybe not. I know I I would be one. That I wonder how many a- active ASL players there are in the world. I mean, it's got to be active ASL players in the world. It's got to be what? one to five thousand somewhere 20, in that range 20 30 guys something like that <laughs> yeah i know most Dude, most mostly seen... centered mostly centered around st louis yeah yeah uh so does matt have a copy of uh yanks uh i wonder probably probably not but i don't know okay yeah just curious uh but all right we'll follow this and see how it goes i get i was definitely surprised that it didn't already have it because they announced this several weeks ago. But yeah, you're right. It's not the one that's been out that long. Right. Out of print that long. But anyway. So uh, the next thing was the new edition of Twilight 2000. RP finally hit the shelves. And I'm actually kind of hoping to find it um, at a shop here uh, this week. And because uh, I haven't ordered it from Miniature Market yet. I've talked about this before. It's a really cool idea. It's uh, role-playing after World War III. And so it's like you're just trying to get home. Like you're stuck. Uh, the game itself starts, you're stuck in Poland where you were stationed during World War III. And now that it's over and the U.S. doesn't exist anymore, you just want to get home to Nebraska or wherever. So it's about that. I just find it fascinating. And I've uh, bought... A whole bunch of the old modules off of um, RPG.net, just because I just think they're neat. They have really neat stories. Um, the uh, golly, there's something the uh, something in Appalachia, like some air airmen, the uh, e- evil guys rolling around in blimps in like Appalachia. That was like one of them. The last submarine was like one where one of them surfaces to get like resupplied somewhere and it has nukes. So everybody wants to like steal it or, you know, kill the people. And yeah, so just neat. And uh, yeah, I did did not kickstart this. And so I kind of want to pick it up on the shelf. So there you go. Yeah, I've seen a lot of buzz about that one as people are starting to get it. I haven't seen anyone played it since they got it because I think it's just been like in the last week or so. Yeah. Uh, the next thing we had was Paizo is taking pre-orders for life-size kobolds. Now, the first thing I wanted to say was, when I think of kobolds, I don't exactly know 
what I think they would look like, but I think I always thought of them as like short furry type. I, I thought of them as a mammal. And mm-hmm. Pizo, no, Pizo, kobolds are, are dragon, dragon okay. types. Yeah. Well, the original, uh, my basic game referred to them as scaly and dog-like. So I kind of leaned more into the whole dog-like part of it. So I hear what you're saying about them being furry. Well, uh, the ones that Paizo has here are definitely lizards. Yeah. So, yeah. They're three feet tall, and they're like 600 bucks. I don't know if you guys have ever seen... Um, what is the uh the paizo goblin my local shop has one of those yeah there's one at our local shop too i I wonder how much it cost and my my local shop also has all those uh D &D monsters that have been killed you know and their heads mounted like the the head the dragon head on the plaque yeah yeah uh Hmm. it was there's like a dragon there is a or wyron whatever it is and there was um a mind flayer and the last one was an owl bear and it just looks pretty cool but yeah so yeah this is kind of neat but it's like 600 bucks maybe they'll send yeah. us one for free for being a big big fancy podcast you know an evaluation copy yes an evaluation <laughs> kobold <laughs> to have they're like yeah we'll send it to you but you have to send it back and if it's damaged you'll uh you'll we'll just charge you for it so, in fact, we'll charge it for charge you for it first, and then you'll send it back. We'll refund your money. <laughs> That's how I want to do it anyway, but whatever. All right. So, uh, there Roll Twenty has a companion app now. Yeah. So the was originally only on tabletop, but now there is a mobile app that's for uh, Android and iOS both. And I have it, and I've been fiddling with it a little bit, and I will know a little bit better how it works. Uh, tomorrow, I guess, as I try to use it on uh, when I play on Roll20. So it's, yeah, it's uh, like, so I signed into it and I could, I could see all of my active campaigns. And then after that, I think because maybe the game isn't launched by the DM or something, that I can't really do anything more with it at the moment. So it's kind of be along the same lines as like the D&D Beyond um, stuff. I'll have to check that oh. out. I've got a Roll20 game sometime next month. Ah, alright. Um, yeah, that, that is kind of cool. So, like, you can just, like, do your rolls or whatever from your phone? Um, yeah. And I, you might be able to, even to, to move your uh, token around the map, too. Hmm. Okay, well, that's cool. And looks like the last thing we had was a D&D... Dungeons and Dragons Lake Geneva restaurant experience being planned. Yes, I put that on there. So uh, Lake Geneva, we talked about Lake Geneva a little bit before. Um, It's where Dungeons and Dragons was born. There is an entrepreneur that's going to open a a restaurant. And Lake Geneva is kind of a resort town. Um, So they're going to open a 350-seat fantasy restaurant that's kind of based and themed around Dungeons and Dragons, which I thought sounds pretty cool. So I assume you'd be able to rent game rooms and stuff like that too. Yeah. There's, so they, I think they have, I think they said they have six, uh, games, private spaces for playing D and D, but then it's a restaurant too. Yeah. And so nice. people can, you know, show up in costume and have a dinner in costume, or they can just be, you know, the, the, 
family and friends from uh, Paducah and come in and you know have a have a fantasy themed burger. <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 I want my pretty cool. I want my medieval burger, please. Cobold burger. <laughs> yes, my cobold cobold burger. Yes, my cobold. A lower level called the barbarian in the basement would have twelve axe throwing lanes. All right. Well, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So, uh, all right. This, well. this seems very ambitious, and I gotta wonder if it'll they'll have to like, you know, sand the edges off when they actually build it. All right. So, Roy, like, why is this not like medieval times? You know, That's the, true. the restaurant. Yeah. Well, medieval times is more, I think, based around the animals and stuff. But that would be yeah. pretty nifty too to uh, kind of make it a little bit more um, audience participatory in a way. To do the thumbs up, thumbs down, like no, they have to die. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no, it's the the party the party wiped, start over. Some yeah, we can see Leroy Jenkins just happens and just runs mm-hmm. in there, and so anyway. So if, if all goes as planned. The Colwell is the is the guy that uh, is is breaking ground. It says in the spring and done by spring 2024. Hmm. So, all right. If you're still well, thinking about it by then, go check it out. It's called the Griffin yeah. and Gargoyle. And if you go all to right. griffinandgargoyle.com, um, you can get updates. Hmm. Okay. Interested in that. And where is Lake Geneva? It's so it's uh, due west of Kenosha. I've never actually been there before, um, mm. okay. but it's on the it's on the southern border of Wisconsin. It's pretty close to Milwaukee. Really? OK. Huh. Yeah, I'll have to seek, seek that out because I think like uh, Gary Gygax's old house or something has been turned into a museum or oh, really? something. Okay. I know that there's, I, a, I'd heard. there's a memorial in a park there somewhere in Lake Geneva, and I've seen various times people will take their dice and put them on this and get them blessed by Gary. St. <laughs> Gary, I guess. St. Gary of the dice. Yeah. I guess is what it would be, but hmm, okay. All right, well, uh, I guess that's it for us i suppose and um yeah so what are you guys doing for thanksgiving i think i'm gonna go see my mom and then go see my dad yeah i actually went to my mom's house today and then we're gonna go to the in-laws on tuesday what's your uh your actual thanksgiving plans then uh i might just be at home with just just the uh immediate family all right it'll be kind of nice Mm-hmm. But it's funny because we had like everyone brought soup and salad today. Everyone brought their own kind of soups. So we had lots of soups. And then Tuesday, I don't think we're having turkey. So my daughter, who's home from college, she's like, I want to have turkey at least once. So I think we'll do that on Thursday. Oh, all right. I've, I've heard whiskey can be considered a soup. Yes. With uh, ice croutons. Yes. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we, I think we have to go pick up the turkey Tuesday. Uh, we got it spatchcocked, and let me tell you, that is the way oh. you want to actually roast yours, you know. 
Yeah. Good. So, so Bob did that on Bob's Burgers. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's so the other thing we're doing this week is, is we're going to go through and watch all the Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. I'm stealing that idea. I'll get, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I want to do that. I'll get my uh, brother to get them. And uh, yeah, that'll be great. Cool. Yeah, because, you, you know, every, everybody does like Christmas episodes. Not everybody does a Thanksgiving episode. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Although now I really want to watch the Bleakin uh, episode now. That was that's a Christmas one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. OK. Anyway. So. Uh, all right. So I'll be here in sunny Florida sweating and I plan on going by Cool Stuff Inc. and some other neat places while I'm down here and uh Hunting those Black Friday deals, and yeah, so. All right, well, you guys have a good Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you probably, what, uh, like early December, and yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. All righty. Good night, everyone. Good night, all.